The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer Bully Ray and I react to the Booker T bio on A&E from last night. Uplifting, extremely positive, great story. We talk about it here on Busted Open. Also, how about this? Before his big match against Kushida Tuesday night on NXT, Santos Escapar joins us right now on the Busted Open Podcast. What did you think of uh, the Booker T bio last night? I enjoyed it. It was just a good piece. You know, I got, I, I learned some stuff. Like, I didn't realize, you know, I had heard about Booker's youth. And I know he did some time for the robbery that he, that he had spoke about. But I didn't realize before that how happy his childhood, his childhood was with him and Stevie Ray and his sister and how they would, you know, play wrestler and jump on yep. the mattresses just like I did, you know, or just like any other wrestler does, you know, who, who, who made it in the business did when they were a kid. Um, it was a good piece. I enjoyed seeing him and Charmel and the kids. I enjoyed hearing about the story. I really enjoyed hearing about him saying how, I never expected to be a singles wrestler because that was something that I was able to relate to. Um, I enjoyed all of Booker's acknowledging of the backstage stuff and how like the stuff with Austin in the grocery store or the stuff with Goldust, how that entertainment is something that he was really able to sink his teeth into and how the wrestling was a bit secondary especially in the world of the WWE. And it, it really is true. In this industry, if the character is strong, if the entertainment level is strong, the wrestling in the ring becomes easier. And it does become a bit secondary at times. But as you said at the beginning of the show, it was a nice balance with Booker. When you got Booker in the ring, you got serious Booker. When you got Booker doing, whether it was King Booker or the stuff with Austin or whatever it is, it was very entertaining, Booker. I didn't, I didn't see anything that, um, that I did not like. Before the show started today, you brought up something uh, to me, which I didn't know, about the teacher 
that had paid for Booker's um, wrestling tuition. And I found it interesting that uh, Booker was trained by Putski because we grew up on Putski yes. living in the I didn't Northeast. know that. Like seeing Ivan Putski now, like well, I didn't know. Like I didn't, I, I didn't know all that. And that footage of him at the school, like they did a great job with showing some of that footage as well. And I, I man, it was great seeing Ivan Putski because if you're an old school WWF fan, I mean Ivan Putski was one of the the big superstars before the Hogan era. <clears throat> You know, the the late 70s, early 80s, Ivan Putsy was huge in the WWF. But as the Randy Savage documentary, there seems to be some controversy about what we saw last night on A&E. And it had to do with one of the guests that was on the documentary last night. And that was Professor David Dennis Jr. So he was on periodically throughout to talk about like what a good motivational tool, what a, what a great inspiration that Booker T had been for the African-American community, especially the African-American community in Texas uh, during those times of his career. And it's absolutely true because having talked to Booker T, um, he is definitely a, 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 an, an amazing motivator and, and an inspiration. But according to David Dennis Jr., and this is in a tweet that he later deleted, is that the main reason why he was asked to go and be a part of that documentary was to talk about WrestleMania 19, the story going into WrestleMania 19, and then the match at WrestleMania 19. And he he, he buried it to the point that he knew it was going to get cut, and he almost thought that, his entire, all his stuff was going to get cut, and it turned out not to be. And, uh, Bully, I'm sure you remember WrestleMania 19. And for those who may go back to just going on Peacock and watching WrestleMania 19, it was a, a world championship match between champion Triple H and challenger Booker T. And when you watch the match, it's a very good 18-minute match, and Triple H goes over. And it's not so much about the match as it was the storyline. So this is Dennis, this is uh, David Dennis Jr.'s tweet that he put out last night right after the biography. And he said this. He said, so one of the main reasons I was brought in was to talk about WrestleMania 19. I went in about it for a long time. Emphasis on long. But my ass knew it wasn't going to make the final cut, so I figured I was going to get cut from the whole documentary. He also tweeted, so there's a lot of footage somewhere that's pretty spice. And I just wonder if Vince and Triple H saw it because Bay Bay. And obviously everything he talked about with WrestleMania 19 was completely cut from the documentary. Now, for those who don't remember the storyline, was that it was it was definitely racially fueled the storyline going into WrestleMania 19. And bully, we were talking about it before the show. It reminded me of the storyline between Ron Simmons and Vader. And Vader's manager at the time was Harley Race and it was racially motivated. But what happened at the end of that story, bully, is that Ron Simmons beat Vader and became world champion. So the storyline had a purpose. It made Vader into the ultimate heel. But at the end of the day, like any good face versus heel story, 
the face overcame and won and became champion. That was not the case with Triple H and Booker T. He had a long story, racially fueled, and at the end of the day, Triple H won at WrestleMania. He went on to defend that championship where Booker T fell to the middle of the pack of the WWE roster at the time. I don't know why we didn't get the correct payoff at WrestleMania 19. When you look at Hunter's history with WCW guys, other than Benoit at WrestleMania 20, who has he ever put over? Can't really think of anybody. Or, or put over in big matches. Like we saw what happened with Sting at WrestleMania. There did was the one time with Goldberg. I mean, Goldberg. Yeah, he did, but that was like a clunky match. It was a weird, and then, you know, Triple H, you know, paid that one back. If you're going to put your toe in the water of a racial storyline, you have to have the correct payoff. And you brought up a, a, a perfect uh, comparison with Vader and Ron Simmons. Yep. WWE very rarely acknowledges that any performers from other companies are better than performers than from their companies, especially top guys. Like I said, it's rare, but it does happen at times. Eddie got a taste. Chris got a taste. Jericho got a taste. When I say Chris, I mean Benoit. Booker got a taste. As far as what was omitted from the documentary last night, all I can say is that when they initially called the professor, they probably had every intention of telling this part of the story. But things get edited once, twice, three times, card subject to change, chopped up, whatever it is. Maybe they just didn't think it was good enough for the show. Maybe the doctor thought what he, I'm I'm sorry, maybe the professor thought what he added in his interview was going to be earth-shattering, groundbreaking, so, so good. And maybe they just thought it wasn't that good. The only people that really know are A&E and the WWE. Maybe they decided at the last minute that, you know what, this this whole piece is really pretty feel-good. Let's not drag it down with this. Well, I mean, it, it is a, a significant moment, and, and I was thinking back, and we did a show years ago when it was just myself and Doug Mortman, and we talked about WrestleMania misses, like things that could have happened or should have happened that didn't happen. And obviously, you know me, Bully, I brought up, the fact that Hogan and Flair never met, even though coming out of the Rumble in 92, you thought that was going to be the match at WrestleMania. And that never happened. We never got that Hogan-Flair match at WrestleMania. But I remember Mike Riker, our producer at the time, he brought up this angle with Booker T. And he was right. Like, everybody thought that Booker T was going to win that championship at WrestleMania 19. Now, you're right in a way that, and that, and by the way, that was part of the storyline, too, if people go back or if people remember. You know, they trashed that whole big gold, uh, big gold belt, you know. You know, both Flair and, and, and Triple H. You know, the WCW run didn't mean anything. You know, none of that shit really flies here in the WWF. I mean, they they went down that road, too. But when you go that racially motivated storyline, there needs to be a payoff. And there just wasn't. And 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 really, um, 
Triple H said in a lot of those promos about that he was just an entertainer and he was just a gimmick. And by the way, when he won the world championship, Booker T, it was part of that whole, you know, King Booker. It would have been it would have been much better if he won that championship as Booker T coming in there in 2003. And there was so like and again, I don't I think Triple H was even over the line more than Harley Race was 10 years earlier. But again, but but again like Vader lost and Ron Simmons won. There was the payoff. There was no payoff here. If you're going to go down that road, bully, which is a dicey road to go down when you're dealing with race. How is there no payoff? And again, it's what this is where it's kind of coupled with bully the things that happened with the Savage documentary. Because a lot of people are very, very critical about the Savage documentary. About, man, it felt like a hit job. And it was. That second hour of that Savage documentary, to me, was a hit job. Now, everybody's saying, well, hey, this is the story. This is the truth. They're only saying things that was really happening at the time. Well, here are things that were recorded for this bio that were cut out. I'm just saying. Feel good peace last night. Feel good peace with Piper. Feel good peace with Stone Cold. Not the same with the Savage documentary last week. After this, after the Booker T documentary was over, I definitely understood more of your gripe with the Savage documentary. Without a doubt. Because last night's piece was a very feel good piece to me. I actually watched Steve's piece last night, uh, yesterday also. Everything has been pretty much feel good. The second hour of the Savage one, yeah. It did feel a little TMZ-ish, a little mm-hmm. National Enquirer-ish. I don't know why we dedicated so much time of the Savage documentary to Gorgeous George and the, the pitfalls of Randy's life that came with that. I, I'm agreeing with you. I really have nothing more to add on the professor situation because I get it. I, I When it comes to the business of the payoff, yes, Booker should have beaten Triple H at WrestleMania 19. I don't know what they could have seen in Booker that made them go, nah, he's not the right guy. We've always known Triple H was one of the right guys. Yes. But to tell me that Booker wasn't also? Especially at that time, and that story was so, uh, to me at the time... It's a heavy story. It's a heavy story. story. Heavy story. The story is so heavy that I I don't think anybody would go near it today. I, I, I have one of the promos. I have a transcript of one of the promos. It's, it's man, it's, it's, it's rough. But okay, but you know what? If you're going to go down that road, there's got to be the payoff where this guy's, the asshole, has got to get kicked in the nuts. And well, it let didn't me ask happen. you a question, Dave. Let me ask you a question, Dave. Does the payoff have to be, if you're going to go down a racially motivated storyline, are we putting over one guy over another just because of the color of their skin? And is that right? If you're going to go down this road of having it racially fused, yes. Then yes. Because you chose to go down. This is the story you chose to, 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 to tell. And again, like it worked with such success with Ron Simmons because this is, you know what? Probably there's a lot of truth to what's being said here. 
So this is where, you know, Ron Simmons is going to show how great he is, how talented he is, and that he deserves that championship. And you want to know something, Bully? He wins the championship. It's one of the best moments. It's still talked about today. Does anybody talk about the Triple H Booker T match from WrestleMania 19? No. No. And it also sends a good moral message. We talk about here, Bully, all the time with pro wrestling. What's great about pro wrestling is storytelling. This is a great moral message to send to your audience. What kind of moral message does that does that message send to your audience? Now, if Booker T gets hit by one pedigree, is laid out for fucking 25 seconds, and gets pinned. Maybe that's the reason they left it out of the documentary, because it did not send a good moral message. Maybe when they were discussing what they wanted to do with the documentary, they said, hey, let's talk about this. But this is shot. This was shot a long time ago, right? It's not just shot yesterday. What, the documentary? Yeah. I think it's I think it's actually I think this was shot recently. Like I past year? Last, yeah. Okay. So maybe at first when they sit down and they're coming up with ideas for the documentary, okay, childhood and this part of his career. Then this, oh, let's talk about WrestleMania nineteen. Let's talk about the grocery store. Let's now you start chopping and editing down to a two hour piece. What do we want? What do we want? Maybe they decided, you know what? This is not that good of a moral message. Maybe we don't want to remind people that we made a mistake. Well, now you're talking not, about it, the WWE now. Because now you're talking well, maybe, about the maybe WWE. Maybe the WWE in conjunction with AEW. All right, all right. Because now, because this is why I bring the Savage documentary back. Because all the criticism about the Savage documentary is like, whoa, I mean, I heard all the WWE apologists saying, hey, wait a second here. The director did this on his own. WWE had nothing to do with this. Even though we see the producers being you know, credited at the end from the WWE. But, you know, you, oh, no, they got no, no, they have nothing to do with this. This was from the director's mind, right to video. WWE didn't have anything. So this is not a hit job from the WWE. Okay, well, now you're talking about a moral message and probably this isn't the last, this isn't a, a lasting impression you want to get. So are, is the WWE involved or are they not involved? Because to me, if you're doing a documentary, this is something that should be talked about. Because Booker T had to be extremely disappointed that he wasn't able to cap capture that championship. His fan base and the fans, as I know I was at the time, extremely disappointed. What kind of message does that send? And this is something else that Booker T had to overcome. Because he talks about racial prejudice in his career. Well, here's a racial prejudice storyline that he was not able to overcome. But he did eventually overcome it by becoming a champion a couple of years down the road. To me, that's interesting. To me, that's a story. This is something else he was able to overcome. Because I know if, if I'm Booker T, and I don't know, this is only Booker T could answer that, I would have to think that he was extremely upset about the fact that this wasn't going to end with him winning at WrestleMania. Whenever you sit down and start to put a storyline together, no matter what it is, you always want to know what your payoff is <clears throat> from the very beginning. I would be interested to know what the initial discussion was about the payoff. Was Booker ever considered to win? Or did they know that they were going this way the whole time? Personally, if I have the pencil in my hand and I decide to go uh, down the road of a racially motivated storyline, the payoff has to be the happy ending. Yes. Without a doubt. It has and, and to be. 
has to, and then again, Gold Dust got involved, and I'll never forget the Go Home show because then Go Hold Gold Dust got involved. He got beat by Triple H, which just added the fuel to the fire. And I'll never forget it was like I think it was a backstage vignette. Gold Dust comes up to to Booker, and he was like, "Don't hate the player." And then Booker said, "Hate the game." It was like the perfect line. That was it. That was the last thing you saw before the big match at WrestleMania 19, which ended. Triple H winning and then going on and being champion. And again, Booker T falling back to the middle of the pack on the roster. It's all about the game and how you play it. It's all about control and if you can take it. Yep. The amount of politicking that used to go on back in the day was astronomical. As much of a part of the industry as what you see on your television or in the ring or on the microphone politicking in the back some guys politic behind your back some by some guys politic right in front of you at that time hunter was uh was he involved with stephanie was he a part of the family Uh, i would think so at that time yeah yeah we can only speculate as to why the finish listen and i was in the company at that time i don't know why the finish was what it was I have no idea. If the story was a little bit different, if the story was a little bit different, a little bit more tweaked, I wouldn't have had a problem with that at all because if you go back to 2003, I don't think anybody had a better run than Triple H in, in 2003. So, like, if this was just a continuation of that, I have no problem. It's the story that being told up to WrestleMania 19 that I have a problem with if, if you're not going to have that payoff. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live! Sirius XM Fight Nation is your home for the hardest hitting combat sports talk you'll find in the world. Whether it's pro wrestling, MMA, or boxing, join the conversation with us at 877-FIGHT-93 anytime from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern as we react to the hottest storylines, most intriguing matchups, and more. Oh my God! Your home for the best all-day combat sports talk anywhere is Sirius XM Fight Nation, channel 156. As a wrestling fan, you know it's hard. All the blood, the sweat, the tears, the chairs. It's a hard day out there. And do you know what tastes incredible after a hard day in the ring? A Mike's Hard Lemonade. You get all hot and bothered, and then you can cool off with an ice-cold hard lemonade. Since day one, Mike's Hard Lemonade has been making lemonade the hard way. They take three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, and cold-press them to create a taste like no other. They choose to do things the hard way because they know hard days deserve a hard lemonade. That's why for 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. Find now in store, Mike's is hard, so is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium malt beverage with flavors. Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. This is a big year. The Ohio Lottery's golden anniversary. 50 years of excitement, of growing jackpots and crossed fingers. 50 years of funding for schools, of changed lives and brightened days. 50 years of fun, and that is worth celebrating. So watch for can't-miss promotions, huge events, and new games that will make the Ohio Lottery's 50th year its biggest one yet. Learn more at funturns50.com. 
The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for $15 a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash busted open. That's mintmobile.com slash busted open. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash busted open. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Back here on Busted Open, Dave LaGreca, Bully Ray. And joining us now, somebody who's been dominating the cruiserweight scene in NXT and has a huge matchup, possibly regaining that NXT cruiserweight championship against Kushida on NXT is the one and only Santos Escobar. Sir, how are you this morning? I'm very good. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Uh, I appreciate this opportunity to communicate and spread the message and the philosophy of the emperor of Lucha Libre. Santos, um, definitely nice to have you on the show today. Nice to meet you. I will say right off the bat, I've been enjoying everything that you have done since coming to NXT. And I just want to say, keep up the great work because it's, it's, it's really going well. Thank you so much. I, I pride myself on being a, a different, unique uh, athlete. Certainly, uh, Lucha Libre is a different animal here and i just try to represent where i come from well bully always preaches on this show that you know a difference of styles like a clash of styles can make a fight uh that's definitely the case with you and kushida you coming from the world of lucha libre and kushida coming from the world of new japan i mean amazing chemistry in the ring between you two do you feel that like your differences is what makes this so unique I do, but um, we got to remember one thing. Uh, Kushida made his debut in Mexico. So uh, as many other Japanese athletes, Mm. he uh, came to Mexico and tried to learn the Mexican style. And that's exactly where he made his debut. And I think that's the main uh, importance, uh, a leverage I have on the match because I was born doing Lucha Libre. This is my style, and he just merely... Uh, adopted it uh, to make his debut. So tomorrow, uh, I might add, is the first time ever two out of three fall match on NXT TV. And I'm happy because I'm in the business of doing that, the first ever everything. That's what I do. I do, I'm I'm an entertainer and I try to be unique, different. And when I came to NXT, uh, that was my aim, to create a group, a faction of people that was unique, different, and so we did, and we're, we're dominating the, the scene. Tomorrow night, we're going to do it again. 
Santos, you're talking about tomorrow night against Kushida on NXT, two out of three falls. Um, you are very familiar with the two out of three falls style of wrestling match because of your past. Can you tell us, um, does this, uh, this definitely plays into your strengths? Um, is it a, is it something that Kushida has done a lot of? And what do you like about a two out of three falls match uh, more than a traditional style wrestling match? Well, um, in Mexico, two out of three fall is the traditional way to do it. Um, so in that way, I think I have an advantage because that's how I was brought up into the business. And that's how I learned how to wrestle in the first place. Two out of three fall is a different animal uh, all around. You have to take into consideration stuff like a good cardio. You got to have good cardio. That's, that's most important. Uh, but also you have to be intelligent and you have to, you have to have your resources available at any second of the match. Uh, I think this is not going to be a good night for Kushida. Uh, I tried to make it as personal as I could last uh, couple of weeks ago uh, when I put him through a table. And I think uh, it worked because last week he challenged me for his title. How do you like that? Hmm? <laughs> Santos, a little advice. Putting somebody through a table will never get over. It will never work. <laughs> Don't get <laughs> Don't I know it. <laughs> Santos, talk about, you know, we talked a lot on Busted Open about Lucha Libre and, and how much that means to the Mexican culture. I don't think a lot of fans here in the state understand. You know, you have pro wrestling fans, and I know for pro wrestling fans, it's a part of your DNA, but in the culture, so Lucha Libre means so much. Can you explain that to our audience? Yeah. Um, there's a very important aspect to Lucha Libre versus American wrestling or wrestling or sports entertainment. And that is the fact that we use high flying maneuvers and super fast speed spots all over the match because that's how we, luchadores, tell our story and it's different uh in many ways because in america there's a whole different tempo there's a whole different pace the whole there's a whole different moment to do stuff in order to convey a message to your audience and in mexico it's just moves 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 spots 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 high flying stuff and the thing is when you come from that environment and you adapt it to american wrestling it becomes easy because now I can take my time, pace myself, and just bring the action whenever I want to. Santos, um, about two weeks ago, we had L.A. Knight on the show, and we were talking about his promos and how he, he, he said to us that he has a lot of leeway with the things that he's been able to say. Um, in your experience so far with NXT, how are they with you? Do you have leeway in the message you want to convey? Do you have leeway in the matches that you would like to put together? Are you putting your own spin and your own art form into what we do? Most definitely. And uh, I think, I don't think this applies to everybody because uh, I, I, let's say it, I have 20 plus years in the business and they do take into consideration that when they're asking you, who are you? What do you want people to know about you? And the first and foremost, I'm Mexican. I'm just a little old Mexican trying to make it in America, American dream. That's different. That's just different from anyone that you can mention. Uh, 
Another thing is I speak English. You don't see much people like this here. Uh, and of course they ask me, uh, what do you want? What do you want to do? They ask me before this, they still do it every week. And I think that's very important because that uh, gives me a certain uniqueness and it makes my character and my group, my faction, certainly different from, from anybody else. I just want to follow up on you talking about that you speak English. Um, a lot of stars that we see in the WWE where maybe they don't have a great command of the English language um, will only go so far. Do you believe that you speak English well has been helping you in your spot with NXT? Definitely. Definitely. There's two Why? ways to convey. Why? There's two ways to convey a message uh, to your audience, to your to the company's target and to your personal target. And that is with your action in the ring, which is a performing art in and of itself, but also with the mic, communicating, just good old words. And me being different, I do have to explain people what Lucha Libre is about, what the true roots of Lucha Libre are, blood, tradition, heritage, legacy, sacrifice, all that. I do need to employ words. And uh, I feel like I'm, I'm a natural born and raised Mexican. You know, like there's not many athletes like me because everyone thinks, okay, him or him or so or so are American with Mexican roots. I'm a very different person. I'm Mexican born and raised in Mexico City. And so I have a different message. And the way I, I just give it to the audience is, with my Lucha Libre in the ring and with the mic. How difficult was it for you, like with coming to NXT? I know you had the, the injury, then you came back really like a month before the pandemic hit, and then the pandemic hits. Was it difficult, difficult for you to transition really at the beginning stages with no audience presence when you were wrestling? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, I've... I've been doing this for forever, <laughs> uh, but still every company, every place has its own system, its own product. And uh, of course, when you come to WWE, you think of the big audiences, the big arenas. And the first thing I had was an empty arena, no audience, and just go live and go do your thing. And the thing is, I've traveled a lot uh, Mexico and other countries, Europe, Japan, the States. And an element that a good wrestler has is his ear. Because then you can react or uh, perform for your audience. And uh, I, I didn't have that when I first uh, came to NXT. It was difficult. It was hard because also you have to adapt to the product itself, you know, to the cameras, times and all that. Uh, but it was a challenge. I welcome challenges and, and I, I can't say it was easy, but I, I made it. Santos, for those that may not know, before you were Santos Escobar in NXT, you were El Hijo de Fantasma. And I believe the, the literal translation for Hijo is child, correct? Correct, yes. The child. You are the son of Phantasma. Growing up as a Mexican wrestler, how difficult is it to be El Hijo Day? 
whether it's El Hijo de Fantasma or any of the other luchadors who have taken on the name of their father? It's hard. It's very difficult because you have to take into consideration that this is not an easy business. This is not an easy atmosphere. And at least when I just I got into the business, it wasn't easy to just, you know, go up in the cart. And some people might think that because you're the son of a legend, everything is easy for you. And the reality is that everything is harder because everyone's trying to, you know, like try you out and just see if you really have what it takes to make it. And that's, I feel for, for Dominic right now, because that's exactly how I was feeling uh, 15, 20 years ago. Everyone was trying me and everyone was like, questioning my position in the card or my even my presence in a locker room and so i had to make my way and of course if you're the son of someone some things will come easy other things will come really hard so just to all the people out there listening that are sons of someone just work harder and when you think you're not working harder even work even harder because people's going to come at you hard and you just got to prove them that you belong uh, Santos, how difficult was it for you? Because I know culturally how important that mask is in Mexico to, to having that mask and then taking it off to be a part of the NXT brand. Well, the, the mask is a, a very important part of the Mexican tradition. And once you wear a mask, you are allowed to put it on the line for high profile matches, which I had a few years ago in Triple Mania, which is the biggest show of the year of all Mexican Lucha Libre. So I put my mask on the line and I lost it against uh, L.A. Park. And you might know him, Bully, is uh, La Parca from yes. WCW, ECW. Uh, I lost my mask and I had to take it off. So I had probably a year and a half without the mask before I came to NXT. Now, when I came to NXT... Uh, the opportunity presented itself that I could wear the mask even for a short period of time. And I chose to do it because I wanted to reintroduce the true roots of Lucha Libre to the American audience because I feel like they, they haven't had a proper uh, schooling as to what the mask means to us. And I think I've, I've made a, a good, you know, a good job on that. Santos, I'm sure that when a luchador like yourself looks at Rey Mysterio and how Rey was able to take off the mask, that makes it a little easier, I would assume, to know that if you can take off the mask, that your career can just be, be just as big as when you had it on. Well, that's a, that's a gamble because... For example, there's a few guys uh, that have lost the mask and became bigger without the mask. And there's a few others that just their character just died because it was so into the mask that once they took it off, people just wouldn't get them and they, they didn't evolve. And I think there's something to it that when you lose your mask, you do have to reinvent yourself. You do have to change, adapt uh, and recreate or create a new character so that you can present it to to your audience 
And I think in my case, we created Santos before I wore the mask on NXT. So Santos was there. And I was just trying to uh, portray, if that makes sense, El Hijo del Fantasma, because Santos was already there. I was just wanted to come out and just tell them, okay, this is who I am. This is who I was and who I will always be. But new me is Santos Escobar. Love it. And then Santos Escobar is going up against Kushida for that NXT Cruiserweight Championship tomorrow night on NXT. You can watch it on the USA Cable Network at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Santos, it was an absolute pleasure sitting down and talking to you. Good luck tomorrow night. Can't say I'm rooting for you. I'm a big Kushida fan. Can't say I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for you. I'm rooting for you. Forget about what he says. I'm rooting for you. And I'll put you number one on my power rankings. Yeah, that's all right. All right. Santos. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, you can have me anytime you want. I, I love do. this kind of vis-a-vis uh, communication. Uh, I'm sorry you're not rooting for me because you're making a huge mistake. Mark my words. I'm going places in the WWE, not just NXT. And thank you, everyone, for just having me here. And From the Emperor of Lucha Libre, thank you all to all my Mexicanos, my Latinos out there. Be there for me tomorrow. The Emperor of Lucha Libre is going to regain what's rightfully mine, the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. Busted Open is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Ed Robinson. The associate producer is Gabby Laspisa. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the legendary Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts. SiriusXM Podcasts. Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. Meet Janice. Unfortunately, her thing is sneeze attacks every time spring returns. I literally sneezed 40 times in a row once. (laughs) Luckily for Janice, at the Walmart pharmacy, she can get over-the-counter allergy relief for things like sneezing, runny nose, and watery eyes, fast with online pickup or delivery. No more suffering? That's nothing to (laughs) sneeze at. (laughs) I see what you did there. Help survive allergy season with fast online pickup or delivery from Walmart. Welcome to an easier pharmacy. Welcome to your Walmart.